Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Today, I want to share three stories with you that were shared with me by my voice dialogue teacher, Miriam Dyack, who is no longer with us, but was a major contributor to training people as well as to the evolution. She wrote a lot about voice dialogue. She wrote the voice dialogue handbook. And I feel very lucky that I had the chance to work with her. And I have shared these stories with my clients throughout the years. So I thought I would share them with you today. So the first one is an example and a story. And stories are really great, right? Because it communicates a lot without having to say a lot. So this first story comes from her work with a client of hers. And the whole point of this story is that inner children are like real children. And in that they feel safer with a guardian structure and knowing that somebody is in charge. So she's working with this guy and he really wanted to lose weight. And so they were working with these parts for those of you, I guess I probably should have explained this at the beginning. Voice dialogue is a form of parts work. And I have a video on what is parts work or what is voice dialogue on my YouTube channel and also on my website if you want to look at that for my in-depth description of what voice dialogue is. But so she was working with the part of him that wanted to lose weight, right? Like he, this is the part of him that wanted him to go to the gym. But every time he would get ready to go to the gym, he would have this intense fear crop up, which was a core vulnerability and an inner child. And what was very interesting is that when she moved him over into the inner child, what the inner child said was, I wish that he would just go sometimes because he listens to the inner child. The client would listen to the inner child and would just not end up going to the gym because this fearful part would come up and he would think that he was not going to the gym trying to honor this fearful part. But when she moved him over into that vulnerable self, what it told her was, I wish that he would just go sometimes because when we go, I do actually feel better and I feel more comfortable like once we're there. So when she moved him back to center, it was this massive shift and reorganization of energy that, that he goes, holy shit. Like I thought, now I want to be clear that this is not going to be the case in across the board. So not all vulnerable parts that let's say don't want to do something, just need a parent to like say, come on, we're going anyways. Right. And but in, there are many situations where as the aware ego, you know actually what's best for you and the parts of you that feel fearful or that feel like they can't do it, right? We do kind of want to strap them on and care give them and go forward because we're acting as the benevolent guardian for all of our parts, right? And that means we have to take action that's balanced and that accommodates for all of that. And sometimes that means doing things that other parts of us may not want to do, right? Like going to the gym. But this was a really, really good example. I love that story. So that's the first one. The second one is, we, I call this, this story up against bone. 
So this is a really good example of repeating patterns, especially as it relates to birth trauma. And this is something that I'm going to get into, hopefully, at the end of this year. I've been working a lot with death, birth, our first moments of coming into this life. You know, I've studied some developmental trauma and an infant trauma and I've worked with people that have you know have had trauma around like their birth so this is something that I'm like really excited about and so I love this I also love the story up against bone so Miriam when she was being burst into this world her head was up against her mom's pelvic bone so her mom was pushing, right? But she wasn't going anywhere because she was just up against bone. Well, you know, at this point, I, I think that she was maybe in her 60s or I'm not quite sure, but she was older when this happened. So she was organizing an event and her husband was there with her. And obviously her husband knows about voice dialogue and she's obviously done uh, enough and a lot of probably inner work with her own parts and birth and all of these things. And so they're there and she's, you know, running all around and she's trying to like, you know, put all these pieces together. And her husband just looks at her and he says, Miriam, you're up against bone. And this was like a, a thing that they would, you know, like a little phrase, right? That he would be able to say to her to get her to recognize that she was she was in this pattern. She was repeating this pattern, right? Where she's, she's just trying so hard to push through something or trying to control something that it's not, you know, you're up against bone, right? And so you kind of have to like back off a little bit. And I also, I love that story, right? So maybe you can think about for yourself, your birth experience. There, there's so much there, you guys. I almost... I like, I'm so tempted to go into it right now because I've mapped out, you know, cesareans and early births and incubator babies and what all of those different things can manifest as later in life um, as a general, pre, like as a general disposition to life itself and, and moments of challenge. Um, so that was really interesting. And maybe you can have a little a little shortcut for yourself once you recognize what that is or what those patterns are, where you can pause and you can say, oh, there's that thing that's happening. There's, I, I kind of want to just add this layer in here. I'm just going to, we're going to make this. Sometimes I like doing these like mixed bag videos because I'm able to just get a lot of little codes out there that I've been wanting to share um, or a different dimension of something. So pausing, 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 pausing is the best tool that you can possibly have in your tool belt. Because when we, let's say, are going into these repeating patterns, right? And I've been talking about this in the, in the previous couple of posts, we start to lose executive function. We, we, call, we flip the lid is what they call it. So if this is your prefrontal cortex, which is where all of your nice tools and decision making and pausing skills live, right? When we get triggered or when we go into an automatic pattern, we flip the lid. And so what's this? This is our amygdala. We're going into fight or flight or freeze. This is pretty much, this is our reptilian brain. This is all we have access to in those moments. So pausing is our best friend because pausing is what allows us to disrupt and interrupt that process. 
so that we can move ourselves back into a state of regulation and get back that prefrontal cortex so that we can, uh, you know, move through and actually engage with, let's say, the uh, event in Miriam's case, right, that she was trying to organize in a way that's a little more grounded and centered or a person in front of you, let's say, if they trigger you. So pausing is really important and then sometimes stepping away. I would say a lot of times stepping away. There's so much more I could say about this, um, especially as it relates to bonding patterns with other people. When we get triggered with other people and the need to pause and for both people to regulate themselves before, so they can get that, that vague, that <clears throat> vagus nerve back online that social engagement right that regulation and then we can actually talk about the vulnerability because when people are triggered they go into defense mechanisms we go into sub personalities we flip the lid we don't have access to things so in that moment it's like crisis control it's let's move the automatic energy let's move through the freeze response let's find appropriate ways to discharge so that we can come back into this moment okay the third story. <laughs> I call this story the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just want to say I so appreciate that Miriam gave some personal examples. Uh, so her her husband, she would she would find herself in this pattern with her husband where she would be in the middle of saying something and he would like interrupt her with a thought and would just start going on to something. And this would constantly trigger something in her and when she was working with parts work what she realized is that she interrupts herself all the time she was like I'll literally be in the middle of doing something and I'll stop doing that and I'll go to a different task or I'll be in the middle of a train of thought and I'll completely just cut myself off and so I call this the straw that broke the camel's back because when somebody does something to you and they keep doing something to you or let's say they do it at all and then suddenly it sets you off it's because the reason it it sets you off is either because there was already an automatic pattern right that was set up where that type of dynamic happened let's say in your childhood right but what it also tends to set up is an internal process of doing that and so you are constantly in that experience internally. So in her case, she's constantly in the experience of being interrupted within her own being. And maybe that, I don't know, she didn't explain, but maybe that came from uh, like previous listening. Oh, this is what she did say. Yes, yes. So I'm so glad I remember this piece. So Miriam grew up in a in a household where everybody like, you know, waited their turn to like speak. And her husband grew up with like a ton of siblings in a really big family. That's what it was. And so in his family, in order to get heard, you had to literally shout over the other person. You had to like get in there to make space. So this is also partly some obviously being raised in different environments, but also some disowned selves because in Miriam's household, it never would have been appropriate to interrupt somebody, right? But then interestingly, she developed this pattern of interrupting herself and then became a match to a partner that grew up in a completely different environment where 
you know, you could say his disowned self was like being quiet and because that wouldn't have allowed him to socially survive in that situation. It's so, it's so interesting, right? So one of the, one of the ways that she then remedied that situation of getting super flared up when her husband would interrupt her was she just started changing the pattern internally of not interrupting herself. And then, you know, obviously within the relational field, right? If you know that that bothers someone, you can, you can work with them, right? You can try maybe not to interrupt them, but we also don't want to lose too much of our core self. And, and that's what's interesting about relational dynamics is because all of us are meant to come up against the contrast, right? We're mirroring each other. No matter how compatible a relationship, I mean, they were married for a long time. <laughs> you're going to have these places where you mirror each other because you're meant to integrate that for yourself, whatever that is. And then it actually shifts the way that you interact with that situation coming up with that other person and vice versa. So yeah, that's what I have for you guys today. I hope that you are all doing well and I'm sending you all so much love and sending you my best. <laughs>